Um, alright. Are you guys ready? Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, I need to pull one more thing, sorry. You need to pull something? Yeah, that guy who asked me to take off my shirt last night, I offered to pimp something for him. This is definitely one of those things that ends up at the front of the show when you didn't think so. Yeah, it is recording right oh, now, lovely. you know. <laughs> This is the Relics of Ore podcast, episode number 114. My name is Ryan. You can call me Cole if you think that's necessary. And this is the podcast. I've totally botched it. Starting over again. Nope, 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 nope. Damn it. All right. Yeah, this is the podcast about Guild Wars, Guild Wars 2, and the Guild Wars community on the whole. With me today, um, denying me the chance to have a mulligan, is Greibach. (laughs) Yeah, good morning. (laughs) And also with us is Evie. What's morning? Why am I awake? Yeah, we were we were up early this morning rocking the jukebox. Don't rock the jukebox. Don't even sing the song. Hi, Spirit. How are you doing? I'm also awake. Are you as awake as I'm pretending to be? No, because I don't BRB coffee. <laughs> I feel like there's some missing air quotes that have that have gotten lost in the uh, transition to audio. We're all awake. Yep. That's I think that's a good way to paraphrase it. We're uh, we've we've channeled a little bit of our inner. Uh, Eric, because I've had now two cups of coffee. Copy. I'm having two cups of coffee, guys. Okay. Copies. Java, 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 Java. And we're totally stoked. Siege turtles. So yeah, someone just highlighted a whole bunch of shit in the the notes, and I guess we'll just go on from there. So um, anybody done anything fancy this week in the game? Uh, I dropped 800 gold towards my, uh, legendary that I got that precursor for on the last show, and now all I have left to do is finish map completion and get a bunch of obby for the, uh, last piece. As a, as a consequence, I've realized that it's, like, a long time ago when they've, they nerfed a bunch of the ways to get karma, including from dailies, I've noticed that it takes four effing ever to get karma these days if you actually spend it. Like, there's a lot of people that have millions of karma because they never spent it, but if you spent yourself down to the ground and then it's been past that patch, it is significantly challenging to gather a lot of karma. Is anybody using karma for anything else other than legendaries? No. No. Recipes? No? I mean, yeah, but, like, the thing is, the legendaries require at least about, like, 500, um, obby, which is at 2,000 apiece is, you know, quite quite a bit. Isn't, aren't fractals better for getting obby shards anyways? Are they? I don't even know. It's, it's- one obby shard for 15 fractal relics. Um, but also, if you do fractals below your progression level, you get a lot of karma from doing them. Mm, okay, I'll so keep that in mind. Maybe? It probably has more to do with what um, outside of your legendary track, you know, what are you wanting? So if, if you're wanting something with the karma to get ascended gear or something, then maybe you'll go with the fractal side of it. If there's something from fractals that you want, then maybe you want to go the other way. Cause I've done both. I kind of feel more, I feel more, what's the word? Thrifty if I'm doing it with karma. But I think that's because you can get a lot of good bags from the fractal relics. Yeah. Like, and I think I hear that um doing the trains in World V World or Edge of the Mist specifically give a lot of karma, but I haven't I tried partaking in the Edge of the Mist one and it was sort of uh a dead end one that wasn't getting very much, so I'll have to I'll have to test that out further in the future. Whenever I think of Edge of the Mist, I remember this time that I was in there. It was like the first day that it was going on. And this necromancer that was a female Norn comes running up to us and she was bald and she was just buff. So freaking buff. And she's wearing the feathered armor, so she's like half naked. And you're like, what the hell am I looking at? It was like the most glorious, disgusting thing I'd ever seen. Was it more disgusting than subreddit downvoter? <laughs> I deleted him yesterday, but yes. Um, yeah, it was more disgusting than that. Maybe it's I should impressive. I should recreate him, maybe. But all right, um, I guess it's time to uh, kick off these segments, and we've we've added a whole lot of bumpers with a whole lot of segments, people. Um, back when I used to run the show, when it first started, it was a podcast about a game that wasn't out, so we were limited on how many bumpers we really felt were necessary. Now we have bumpers for like every profession, and then for fractals and dungeons. So I hope you guys like bumpers. And this is the rotating cog. Nah, no patch Tuesdays. 
Give me something to kill already! You know what they say, a patchless Tuesday amasses nothing to talk about. Alright, for a rotating cog, Guild Wars 2 is, uh, it's uh, an early release right now in China, right? Early yes. access. Yes. Early access, yeah. Um, I, I don't remember where I saw it. I feel like it was on the subreddit. Somebody was talking about, um, their sort of, they were speaking to Chinese players about their initial impressions, and it was sort of interesting to, to hear some of them, um, and it, it was, it was kind of funny. It sounded like some of them, uh, were complaining that the characters didn't look Asian enough, which was really ironic because a whole bunch of the American players complained that it looked too Asian, uh, before release, if you guys all recall, that like mm-hmm. a lot of the characters look too much like anime or, you know, things like that. And so I thought that was sort of a, a funny concern. We should also probably point out there have been 500k pre-sales, not to be confused with pre-orders. So pre-sales, that's an actual sale. It's not that just... Someone like paid, paid the full, full price for it. Yeah, that's pretty good. It's not bad. And is this is the first MMO in China to release with a buy-to-play model. Yes, yeah, I mean, that is true. Um, I was just thinking, the... There's a couple things about the early release access in China that were different than in the States. Um, I think specifically that there were a million copies available when, or for pre-order when it came out for early access in the States. Um, and they limited it to 500,000 for the Chinese servers. Oh, so it capped out? Oh, yeah. Wow. Um, that was so, it was, so early access was kind of like a, another glorified stress test. I think my sources on this is uh, Wooden Potatoes' video on China, but I can't remember exactly. Oh, that's um, a lot... Go ahead. I was just going to say, that's a lot more impressive. Like, 500k, 500k pre-sales is good, but, you know, like I was thinking in my head, it's not what we had here, you know, and their their population's a lot higher. But if it's because they met the cap, then that's, that's you know, you can't draw much more from it than they've capped out, which is which is great. Right. Uh, the other thing was that their access period lasts for two weeks, where ours was three days. And I think he was saying that it would spread out their economy a lot more, because the, the Chinese economy won't affect ours at all. So they were starting from scratch as well, and it'll prevent that kind of huge influx of low-tier mats right at the beginning and it'll let it spread out a little bit. Ooh, I don't know how I feel about that, though. Just from an economic standpoint, like, the... <sighs> It's that it's really hard to catch up on two weeks worth of people ahead of you. I feel like because they'll have established their own like economy and costs of things, and you'll be starting with absolutely nothing. I mean the the precursors alone. Um, in you know, I mean the the inflation of the precursors from the North American side. Like, if you knew what you were doing back then, you could have made so much money because. Precursors used to be like 15 to 30 gold, and while that was a lot back then, it wasn't that much considering that COF still rewarded you about the same amount of gold, and you could run it every, you know, for 8-minute runs all day long, and you'd get a gold per 8 to 10 minutes. So, you know, a couple hours to farm a precursor, basically, with, with those early prices, and then if you just, if you had two weeks to can't, like corner that market before the other millions of players get in, that's... Anyway, it's interesting. Well, that's actually a, a really interesting point because uh, pre- uh, precursors specifically, if I can make a full word. Um, have you guys seen the precursor box as a reward for the VIP subscribers? Yeah, so that's I'm also interested in that because it might serve as like a model of experimentation that they might actually use because obviously the way you get precursors right now in the Western version of the game, people are very... Un- unfond of it. They're nonplussed. Right. Um, so essentially what it is, if you're not familiar with the... Because I said subscriber, and that sounds like a contradiction when it comes to Guild Wars 2. Um, but what it is, is they have an optional 200 gem a month subscription. They can buy it with gold, or they can, I believe, can buy with real money. There was something about having to unlock buying gems with real money, which was odd to me, but I didn't fully look into it, so I can't comment on that. But... Um, if they pay this subscription, they get access to a new type of XP, which comes from doing your dailies. And as they do their dailies, they progress up the ranks in these this VIP structure. And once once they reach rank 20, which is Emperor, I believe, 
they have access to a precursor box, which drops a precursor. And we don't know too much about it, whether it's account-bound or soul-bound or how it's going to impact how their precursor prices fall out. Uh, but we do know for sure that it won't impact ours because, again, the the markets are separate, so it's not something to get up in arms over. It's just kind of an interesting experiment in how they might be able to give you know, a definite chance at a precursor, not a, not a definite chance, a definite access to a precursor. Because it, it doesn't say whether they can choose or whether it's random out of a box. Because wouldn't that suck to be like, we don't know how long it's going to take, but they put in like six months of work and then it's, you know, whatever the underwater ones are. Yeah, I couldn't remember <laughs> what they're called. Yeah. Um, Venom is that one specifically. But uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. And if it if that is correct that it's 200 a month, that's only 1,200 gems. And that's not that much money in real life or in gold. I mean, 1,200 gems these days buys you about 80 gold. So that is not... Is I mean, 1,200 or 200? I heard no, 200 times 200 six months. Month. Oh, okay. People are estimating it'll take at least six months for people to get enough XP to, to get to this rank where they would get this reward chest. Yeah. Um, but wouldn't the, I don't know exactly, but wouldn't the gem prices fluctuate depending on demand? So couldn't it be really, actually like really expensive in gold? Uh, sort of. But I mean, what I meant was, um, comparing it to just what, how much gold that will get you in the American release right now. So like, if right. it, if it costs you 1200 gems worth of gold, like that's still nothing compared to what precursors cost is what my point is. And I don't, I I don't know. It, it may be that people spend a bunch of gold to get their subscriptions for free. Um, but even so, 200 gems is only, you know, what, 250? I mean, it's it's very cheap monetary-wise for it. Like, that's a subscription for 250 a month. Right. I mean, hell, I'd pay that. That's I, I hate subscriptions, and that's so cheap. Like, So anyway, I, I, I just think it's really fascinating. I mean, I don't... I still don't... I still like the buy-to-play model and such, but... Like that's it such really a cheap subscription. What you get for the subscription. Yeah, that's true. It seems like there's a. I looked through the rewards a little bit. It seems like other than the precursor box, there's a lot of like reward chests for different things, but it doesn't say what they get out of them or whether they get to pick things. So I'm going to presume it's two greens and a blue. Maybe a black lion chest box. <laughs> oh, how bad would that be to open a box and get another box that you can't open? I seem to. Is there anything else that came out? Have you guys watched any of the streams at all out of the Chinese beta? I have not. I guess on the subreddit just this morning before we jumped on, they said this Chinese uh, shoutcaster is awesome. Anybody see that? I haven't seen that one, no. Their announcer, I know PvP matches, is really good. Oh, the voiceover guy. So, mm -hmm. like, the guy for us. Did you see that? Red just took a base. Hey, hey, don't hate on Duke. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't hate on Duke Nukem. I've got balls of steel. The one thing, uh, kind of off topic, I don't know how to segue from balls of steel, I'll be honest, um, but I did see in the Chinese beta they were able to swim on the surface while down, because one of my huge pet peeves with this game is when you get downed underwater, you like, the goal is to try and get to the surface, right? Because you get healing from there. But when I get there, I'm stuck waiting for whatever's underneath me to kill me or pull me back mm -hmm. down, and it's just kind of this perpetual, really annoying process. Once they get to the surface, they don't have any access to skills, but at least they can swim across the surface of the water and, like, get to shore and be down on shore. Oh, but do they get this? Do they, do they get to swim to the edge where there's a rock and go to jump up on it? And even though they went out of the water about two feet, they plummet into the water 200 feet? <laughs> I presume so. Yeah, I'm going to presume so, yeah. That's an awesome... I love that. They've also got some different UI changes, I noticed. When, um... When the personal story is active, instead of having all of the like the star on your map, there was a compass in the actual story step, it, or like in the UI for the story step itself, that would spin around and really distracted me while people were streaming, because it would point to whichever direction it was from the top right corner instead of on the map. Huh. And so the top right corner of the screen was just constantly spinning while they were doing whatever they were doing. Interesting. I'm still bitter about how their guild system works. Oh, right, because they have the the one that makes sense, right? Yeah. Wait, what? Tell me more about this. 
So you know how all everybody always complains about how multi-server guilds are kind of hosed because your influence isn't shared and your upgrades aren't shared and your like uh, all, all basically nothing is shared other than a chat channel between them. So mm-hmm. the Chinese servers don't have that. Their multi-server guilds work. <laughs> but isn't that technically what we're getting by the end of the year? Like that isn't that what we're theoretically supposed to be getting it by the end of the year. Their yeah. biggest problem is that they haven't decided how they want to like roll up multiple servers. And I mean, I would say the easiest way to do it would be to just like check the highest upgrade from each server that like that every server has and give the one server like the best in each category that everything has and then combine all their influence. But it wouldn't surprise me if they want to do something a little bit more than that and give some rewards like back. So if you both upgraded, say your bank to the maximum size, maybe give you some, you know, maybe give you back some extra influence since it was quote unquote wasted. And also there's the problem of how to merge the banks, because if all of your servers all have full banks, especially I know a lot of people on little splinter servers just use the guild bank as a personal bank because nobody else is on their server. Right. Um, you know, how you're going to deal with merging those things and whether or not items get lost or, you know, there there are definitely some tech considerations of how they want to do that, but... Send everything in the guild bank to the guild master in the mail. <laughs> just uh, everything. Yeah. All uh, of it. <laughs> so much mail. So much food. You're like, I don't want it! <laughs> yeah, it's always food, isn't it? Yep. We have a whole tab full of food. So does Twit. At least, yeah, we have so much. I love so, Daily Feast because I yell at everyone in the guilds, like, get to the guild bank, eat the food. If you buy food, I will find you. Get to the food. Damn my tortillas. <laughs> so um, another topic, just to fit into the rotating cog real quick. Uh, this past week, about um, I've been dealing with a lot of latency, but it's not your typical latency. It's not like... Um, all. There's this consistency usually when you're internet service providers that to blame. So like when you talk to an NPC, the dialogue doesn't come up right away. Um, when you use a skill, you're kind of rubber banding everywhere. Casting skills takes a while. With this, um, what I found is it's mostly just positioning, especially if it's a profession that has skills that really give like um, very hectic movement um, features like warrior and elementalist with like fiery retreat where you'll just rubber band everywhere and the skills take a while to fire off. Um, but then if you talk to an NPC, you type in chat, any of that stuff, it's uh, pretty speedy. It's pretty much normal. Then if I pull up the, the guild tab, the guild roster fills out like 10 seconds after I pull it up. So I brought this topic up on the subreddit real quick and I got downvoted to hell, obviously, because it's the subreddit and people are children. But uh, after a while, a few people started chiming in and one guy uploaded a video. I think his name was DubDS, I believe. And uh, that video showed exactly what we're dealing with. It is the exact same problem. And the, it may be the case that this is mega server related. And I just want other people out there to know that so that you're not like calling your ISP and, you know, just, I, I mean, it, it's good to cuss your ISP out because unless it's Google Fiber, they probably suck. But yeah, they deserve it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But just so you know, it, it's a very good chance that it's actually on Arena and its end or something in between, but not necessarily your ISP this time. And I should point out to further, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Prove that it's not necessarily ISPs. I generally don't have this problem on my computer. My brother is, and we're on the same connection. Yeah, That's my wife. strange, because wasn't the general consensus from the thread that it was login server problems, and when it put you on the same login server? That started to be the consensus, and I think that'll that'll remain kind of the idea that something's going on, because certain users have the problem, certain other ones don't. But um, Lacey was on the other day, uh, we were doing guild missions last night, and she was still having the problem too, so that kind of makes it seem like it would be something along the path for our route to trace, so I need to do a trace route overnight. But the the point is, like, she plays WoW also, which so I'm thinking of divorce. And, um, yeah, and she's fine when she's in WoW. We're basically, anything else using the web. If I do speed test, we're fine. In fact, it's better than it's been in a long time. But so you're, you're saying that horrible. WoW... So you're saying that WoW is in bed with your internet provider to uh, get a fast lane because net neutrality's out the window? Yeah, screw you, Blizzard. <laughs> Uh, that's a little bit meta. Um, but no, from a, it's just a few things to chime in, I guess. My, my initial thought based on the way that you're describing the kind of lag is that it might actually just be general lag. 
Um, because the types of things that you said were responsive are the types of things that are observable on the client side that don't necessarily need much of a check-in with the server. So, um, like when you load into a map, it's going to load in NPC dialogues and things like that. It doesn't need to check with the server to say what the NPCs have to say. And similar with the chat server, um, you know, you'll at least be able to see it go into the chat, whether or not everybody else can see it at, in real time. And also, I believe chat servers are a separate, um, like a separate architecture. Yep. Be- because of the, um, you know, multi-server, multi-nash, you know, multi. Um, you can talk to people in different continents, things like that. So, um, yeah, it's probably it's probably a little bit more general than it seems from the client end. But the things like positional skills are are going to show it up the most because that needs like check ins with the server of where you are, and you know when the server checks back in and says where it thinks you are, you're gonna rubber band like that. Right. It's just the test that I did with speed test, and the fact that other games are fine tells me that it, it if it's isolated to Guild Wars 2 having that problem, then something's up. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, it's I, I think it's it's a little bit of both. There's there's some sort of a variable in there that here recently has only been flaring up for some. Also for those that are troubleshooting something like this, give it a give this a shot. Um in your in your target to your Guild Wars 2 program. Um go into the the name of it and type space dash and it's like client port 80 just look up guild wars 2 client port 80 you'll figure it out and um basically you can switch what port you're using to play the game it may help you didn't help me at all but you can give that a shot it's helped me in the past um when i had some disconnecting issues i would just be standing around and nothing would be wrong and then i would suddenly disconnect for no reason that really helped yep so uh, we're going to move on now to a small update to one of the professions that we've been talking about lately. And thanks to Evie, uh, we have a bumper for that. Oh my. For great justice. So for today's For Great Justice, we're going to be talking about the uh, an update that Nike released for his Warrior build that he talked about with us uh, two episodes ago. Um, and at the time, Axe Mace, Axe Sword was kind of the way to go. I let go of push to top, talk because I had to burp. Um, but... He's also got a new one now because he factored in the idea that, you know, what happens when you camp Greatsword now that you have two sigils? And there are a few things that had changed so that it kind of made this worth uh, checking out. So the actual top damage um, setup for a warrior right now is technically using a Greatsword when you just camp your Greatsword. Now there's, there's something to be said here. What if the dude is like moving around and stuff? So you're being planted with a Greatsword, Axe Mace, not so much. You can move around. So... He wrote us up a pretty good summary on uh, everything you know to do with this, so I'll just read this off real quick. He says, with the pure greatsword build, it's the top potential DPS, especially so if boss is against a wall or has a big hitbox. Easiest DPS rotation to manage since you can interrupt your auto attack chain and just use 2 through 5 on cooldown. The downsides are many scenarios are not able to achieve said top DPS, like when bosses move a lot in fractals or have small hitboxes, um, or if they're far from walls. So Pure Axe has less burst, but has very high sustained DPS. The pros are that despite having a DPS rotation that's trickier, not interrupting your auto chain and uh, having more cooldowns to manage, it can be much easier to execute the ideal rotation in-game because you aren't rooted by your weapon and you don't require boss size or positioning. So the downside is that it has relatively low vulnerability stacking. So uh, Greatsword Axe Mace, the old meta, uh, if you camp Greatsword with it, it'll do less DPS than the pure Greatsword build, but you'll have very high DPS, perhaps 2-3% to 3% worse, but we're talking about 400 DPS out of 12,000 per second. Alternatively, the tried and true weapon swap cooldowns gives it the ability to stack, to stack more vulnerability than either of the pure builds. And last, you can tailor your offhand to... Uh, lastly, you can tailor... T- what? English, mother do you speak it? Yes! Then you know what I'm saying! Yes. Lastly, you can tailor your offhand you pair with the axe for maximum utility on every encounter. Sometimes mace, sometimes sword, sometimes something weird like axe or horn. It becomes a more of a jack-of-all-trades setup, so you sacrifice some maximum top-end DPS for versatility. The main downside is that while the DPS rotation is fairly fluid and we are all used to it after so many months of using it, it is actually harder to do it cleanly and perfectly compared to the others. A perfect swap on cooldown rotation is like 6% worse DPS than the pure build's perfect rotations, and significantly harder to execute. 
So there are pros and cons to all the options, and frankly, I like it and I don't. I love options and I love having a lot to think about. But at the same time, having a lot to think about requires a mental energy that can be tiring or above the effort casual players may want to put in. And it's worth mentioning that this is purely for PvE because Greatsword is almost never going to be the best DPS option for all those reasons that... You know, he listed on bosses because people don't just stand still and not move, and people don't have huge hitboxes, and people don't stand against walls. Which is where I plug in and say, This is why Pistol Whip is bad. Stop nerfing it. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, Pistol Whip is bad. Stop nerfing it. In PvE or PvP, because we played some PvP last night, and I had some thieves that decided I should die, and they didn't succeed because I was an engineer. That's not the point. It still hurt. And they kept pressing two. Oh yeah, that happened too. Heartseeker, heartseeker, heartseeker. Okay, first of all, were they not using dagger pistol? No, it was sword pistol. Uh, oh. <sighs> were you playing hot join? Nope. Uh, um, Got uh, some talent in there, don't we? Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I need to go smash my head against the wall. Holy balls! <laughs> He done it. That's okay. He's got his tinfoil helmet. He's a regular okay. foley artist in here. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of PvP, we rolled swamp. I can't believe it's not dredge. To me, us Butlonians. So, uh, fractal reward research. This this is a fun topic. We're gonna make a lot of angry people. Oh boy. Essentially, a lot of guilds got together, I believe, I don't know what these names stand for, but LOD and a few other guilds got together, and they've been keeping spreadsheets of what they get from all of the different levels in the fractals. They've been doing this from patches ago, and every time, basically, ArenaNet says, we've upgraded the drop rate of anything, they do the exact opposite, and they've proven this with numbers. Um, The one thing I will tell you guys from this, and I'll let somebody take over from here, but... One thing I have taken from this is the if you're wanting to get drops, the best level range to do is level 31 through 40. If you have enough agony resist, just do 40 and spam the crap out of it. Do not go above that. Your drop rates diminish after or once you hit 41. To say nothing else of the fact that it takes longer and like the the drop rate per time unit is not even if it did increase it would have to kind of increase substantially to make up for the increased mm-hmm. time to kill now i have to wonder is what the time ratio to like drop rate is um for say 20s cuz you yeah. might be able to actually get more like basically chances at a roll running say 28 Whereas, like, running 40, sure, you have a higher chance to roll something, but are you rolling as often? Yeah, I mean, I know that Twit Guild does mostly high 20s just because they're so, like, they're so easy for us now that, you know, we can kind of face roll through it and not have to really think about anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that that would be an interesting sort of average, you know, average metric to look at. Now, the response, I think the only response I've seen to this so far was from John Smith, and he said, you guys should be using Bayes' Theorem. You guys, go look up Bayes' Theorem and realize that that's, I, I don't even know why that was relevant to the conversation. The, the bottom line is this, have you incentivized people properly to do the progression content? The answer is no. I'm just telling him right now, the answer is no to that, just, just so you know. Uh, that being said, there's the other question of uh, what what happens if, let's say, that you did roll and you got an armor chest, but you also want to roll for a ring. Can you get both of those at the end of a fractal? No, not to my knowledge. Um, uh, which ones are exclusive? I think it's exclusive. Uh, skins, armor boxes, rings. Those are the three things, right? Or weapon boxes, too. Yeah. I think all of those are exclusive. So if you get one of them, you can't get the others. And then the question is, so which one wins, right? Yep. So if if rings are overriding, like maybe you've won more chests than you thought you did, and you just got one of those nice rings instead. Yeah, and I haven't done nearly as many fractals as a lot of people, but I definitely have. I haven't ever gotten a weapon or an armor, and I 
have gotten some rings, but not a ton. Yeah, I had a, a a fractal group pretty much that I was running with for a while there. We were doing 49 and stuff. And just just to give one piece of evidence that's probably very sweeping, everybody but me is playing WoW now. They got to fix this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 sort of been a long sore subject because on the one hand, everybody, well, not everybody, but there's a crowd of people that love the high-end difficult PvE content and um I think things like the instabilities are a really good way of like adding not necessarily progression, but adding new ways of challenging without just directly pumping up numbers. Though, of course, fractals pump up numbers too. But the the frustrating part is that if it's so unrewarding that, you know, you when you know that you're doing the hardest content in the game and you're getting rewarded less than a Queensdale champ train, then that's a huge problem. Because it doesn't necessarily have to be like super far and away the best rewards but it has to be good enough that you don't feel like you're just completely getting ripped off by spending an hour or more like doing this activity and getting almost nothing for it because once you because at that point it just becomes a one-time challenge like can i do fractal level 50 yes okay i will never do it again because i'm not getting i'm not going to get rewarded for it and you know there's only so many times you're going to run the same content over and over again if you're not actually getting anything from it that's the perfect comparison you made there. Doing the Queensdale champ train is more rewarding. Oh, what else is more rewarding? Our dungeons. Yeah, I mean, almost, almost. That's the thing is, almost everything is more rewarding in this game. Like doing, doing dungeons, doing dragons, doing because at least if the dragons don't necessarily give you a ton of money, they do give you guaranteed. Uh, by dragons, rares. I mean all the all the bosses, but they give you guaranteed rares and they give you things like dragonite, which you can't get anywhere else. Basically, um, yeah, I mean, and and I don't think that the solution would be to add a unique resource that is required for end game crafting or end game weapon making that's unique to fractals because that would be bad in the other direction. But it. I don't know. It 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 needs work, and rewards are something that we've harped on a lot in on this podcast in general and in general on the internet. But like the the reward for amount of time and amount of effort relative to amount of payoff has always been really skewed in this game. And there's always it's always been a moving target. But the things that are the best are usually skewed so far that it's kind of crazy. Yeah. So. In speaking of where uh, places where the rewards are at least a, a little more on par to talk about dungeons, this is the new segment, Zerkers Only Ping Gear, please. No one's arguing about the need for a plan. Your plan's just stupid and won't work. Now I've got the parts to fix this, but we'll have to build the bumper ourselves. What is this? What is this? What is this? Speculator's Corner? No, no, no! This is Zerkers Only Ping Gear, please. And ha- have you guys ever tried a Staff Ellie... Um, you know, the Berserker one, the new one we've been talking about in Path 2 of Citadel of Flame. Nope. Not specifically, I haven't no. played my Ellie since Triple Cantrip was a thing. Ever since I started running it, like, uh, that, that Ellie build, I love doing Path 2. Because on that last boss, I just love people watching people go, we killed it in one round? Because all you got to do is uh, you're going to summon a meteor shower on it. Then you're going to do uh, an ice bow and a glyph of storms when you're in uh, fire attunement. That thing melts so fast. Oh, because it's fire and ice. <laughs> I see what you did there. I didn't. I, that was totally intentional. That was an on purpose. Absolutely. So, yeah, um, again, it's, it's a build we've talked about on the show before. If you don't know about it, just look up... Um, just look up Staff Ellie. Actually, you're going to get Google results on how much that sucks, but that's incorrect. Did um, we link it in the show notes from last week? Yeah, and I'll do it again for this show just so people uh, have an easy resource. But another build that we've been seeing a lot of in dungeons lately because we're getting new people in, uh, we're seeing a lot of people running, running minion masters in um, dungeons. And my initial impression on this has been that um, you know how, how dungeons and PvE are. It's a test on how good you are at stacking. I'll tell you something, man. Minions, they're not very good at that. No, they're not. But you can... No, no, no. Because I I think it's actually a lot more viable of a build than people think. Because if you spend a couple seconds to have the forethought... So, for example, um, Ascalon Catacombs, the stacking spot with the spider at the beginning. It's very popular and everyone knows it. If you have your minion master hang back just a couple seconds, 
until the spider is in the corner and then drop down on the spider, all the minions aggro on it immediately and the damage is incredible because minion damage is incredible because the AI isn't so hot. But beside the point, it works really well. So if you've got, or if you want to run a minion master build in dungeons, give it a shot. It's a lot more viable than you think. And if you put a little thought into it, you can use the typical stacking tactics anyway. That's what I was going to go into, because when we were with Nightscale in COE, the moment we tried the whole, just hang back for a second so it doesn't mess with the initial aggro, then come in thing, that was that was it. Yeah, Nightscale's done some amazing things with the, the Minion Master build he runs. I've seen him, um, he used, uh, I think, the Sigil of Power, or not Sigil, Signet of Power, and a couple minions, and daggers, and went in and burst down the gate in... Citadel of Flame nearly instantly, faster than I've seen that any, was any warrior doing yeah. it. It was like, Man. yeah, I'll take it, and then you just see this, it's like, alright, and I went and stood on the totem, and then he was like, alright, come on. I'm like, what? And I look up and the bar's down. What the hell? Man, being able to take out objects is definitely, like, the bane of conditioned mancers. I can speak to that personally. Mm-hmm. Actually, what do you, like... Out of curiosity, what are you running on your Necro these days? Because I'm looking to put a Necro build together because I have two of them and neither of them are left. Uh, so what are you running? Um, I'm running sort of a hybrid build uh, with staff. Uh, it's all conditions, but staff and then uh, Scepter Dagger, which is the standard. Um, and, and then I have basically the staff traits and the well traits. So I have the large unblockable marks and I have... Uh, the CDR on it so that you can keep up perma regen in your skill 2 on staff for anybody that's standing in it. Um, and plus it just does bleed stacks and damage. Um, <clears throat> and then the well traits, I have the one that uh, lets you cast wells from range, gives you 20% CDR on uh, or the one that gives you 20% CDR on wells and the one uh, this isn't directly well related, but Chilling Darkness, which is uh, chills on blind. And so with that build, you've got Well of Darkness, which has a, a large AoE that pulses every second that blinds and chills. And then you've got uh, Dagger 4, which is a multi-target chill, condition, transfer, and blind. And then you've got um, a chill on your staff already. And then in plague form, when you hit number two, you've got the giant AoE that also blinds and chills everybody in it every second. And, um, you can swap out plague for lich form if you're doing like dungeons or things that need just like pure DPS. But plague in world v world is hilarious because it doubles your hit points. And so I'm rocking around like, you know, 50,000 hit points and tons of tons of toughness and blinding the blinding and slowing down entire mobs of people so that people can catch them um and then again same thing with well of darkness and so basically i i spam blinds chills and then throw in all the cripples and and bleeds that normally go with uh condition necros and here i thought the well build was a zerker one there is that too because wells have really good power scaling and so um, the Well of Suffering does uh, vulnerability stacks and does damage ticks that scale really well off power. Um, so people do that, and because the power builds are so close range, they don't need the cast wells at range trait because they're going to be point blank anyway. Um, so that is a different variant where you just load up on power and daggers and you run up to something and you know drop two or three wells and just Smack blow it. you know blow things away yeah but uh somewhere in the distant land of new zealand christian is going yes because i told him that was a stupid idea yeah no it uh that works too but this one is like completely ranged i almost never die i'm almost always the last person to die in groups because i can stay so far away and apply so many slowdowns via cripples and chills and so much um so much blinding and all that kind of stuff and so it's it's like a half support but it still does really good damage because it's you know condition damage and you're throwing bleeds everywhere see and you're still a minion master too no i'm not a minion master okay no no and imagine oh. that build would work even better than it already does if you would be in melee because of boons and stuff as far yeah. as getting the most out of it yeah to, yeah if you really need to amp it up to 11 yeah you can stand there especially because your staff four um transfers all your conditions to enemies in the mark if you're both in it 
Um, so that's yet another way to shed conditions. Um, yeah. And the thing is that the only really important well is Well of Darkness in this build, just because it does, you know, both the blinding and the chilling. Uh, but you can, yeah, you can slot in all, all the wells work great because you're not doing it for the damage, you're doing it for the utility. So sometimes I run suffering, sometimes, or well, I usually do blind and, uh, suffering and then you can do corruption or uh power if you want to throw those in uh and if you want to want to go really full support you can do the well of blood the healing one um because that lets you range drop that on allies if they need health Hmm. so yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's it's pretty versatile it's not quite as much damage as you know well it's definitely not as much damage as a full zerker build and it's not quite as much condition damage as um like an epidemic, a bipidemic bomb build, but it still does pretty good. Necros have the best build name, bipidemic bomb. Meat market chiller. <laughs> well, that was pretty true even in Guild Wars 1. It's true. <laughs> we played, uh, I think it was on the European servers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah I was with Tillian. Uh, we played with a Necro called Bombers Are Back. <laughs> God, I love the EOE bomb. I hated the EOE bomb, but that's because I was on the other side of it. I mean, I just love it in concept, but that's this is this is uh you know reminiscing of Guild Wars One, and we could do that for an entire podcast. So this is where you have a chance to do the Chahern thing. Can you do it? Ba- back in my day, when I invented Edge of Extinction. <laughs> Hello, Chris. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Um, yeah, so that's, I guess we're wrapping it up, so it's cast, cast. Oh, do I have to do this? Oh, is it cast, cast already? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's not, there was no news this week, so. Yeah, yeah, there was nothing this week. Um, I'll do it if in you want to. I, I, well, I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed all of you trying to do cast, cast without me last week. It was beautiful. I got this. All right. This is, if you, is, I hope people know who Scott Fletcher is. Castcast, the podcast, the podcast within the podcast about the cast of other podcasts and the style of casts of other podcasts, and I'm getting a credit card reader installed in my butt crack. <laughs> that well, took a turn. Yeah, That's not something I usually say, but... It's a Scott Fletcher thing. Maybe I should do, like, intros with Scott Fletcher's voice. I'm a hollow shell of a person. Who is Scott Fletcher? You have to look him up. He's this guy who just comes on podcasts, uh, mostly with Scott Johnson, because I used to listen to him a lot. And the dude's got like this super, super announcer voice, but he says the weirdest crap with that voice to make it funnier. So for CastCast, uh, Brionic's Tyrion Avengers. I saw this yesterday on the subreddit. There's a, is there some Photoshop going on here? Yeah, it looks like it. Just a little bit. Yeah, not a whole lot. Most of that stuff looks like real assets in the game. I mean, green char... We can have pink ones. We have one in our guild. So what's funny to me, though, is the Thor guy, his face looks more like Hawkeye. Anybody else notice that? Nope. Yeah, he kind of does. I I can see what you're saying. Just the facial structure. Yeah, so if you guys go to Brionic, it's B-R-E-O-N-N-I-C-K dot Tumblr dot com. Um, You'll see this image of these um, uh, various Guild Wars 2 characters they put together on this poster that uh, looks like an Avengers poster. I'm just and happy that the Black Widow isn't in under-boob armor. I'm happy that Ryan filled up our Google Doc with periods again. <laughs> yes, I did. It's the best. It's, it's a beautiful thing. He's just, you know, he's got a thought, and it's really important, but he just can't find the words, so we're just getting ellipsis after ellipsis. It's like pensivity on my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> so Reddit user Typical Terrain did a chart of agony resistance by level of increments of one. Uh, coupling this with our previous discussion on fractals, the, um, a lot of you are probably just determined that you're going to do low level ones anyway, but if you want to know you know, how this works out. Do you guys have any comments on this? Uh, you know, Better summary than I just did, because that was shit. It seems basically like one agony resist is 1% reduction in the damage done to you by agony across all levels. It's not exactly 1%, but if you wanted to be really rough and crude about it, that's kind of what it is. The only thing I took away from this is that people like on Reddit apparently do not like having their conceptions of what is and what isn't changed at all. I disagree, and uh, I downvote you. Case in point. 
I downvote all of you because you downvoted people. I'm going to go through your account and downvote every single thing that you've ever said. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Let's, uh... I'm not going to comment on that, I guess. Oh, I have <laughs> two more things for CastCast, actually. Um, Tuesday nights in the time slot where we used to do the live recording of the podcast, which is just not possible for us at the moment, um, we're doing PvP instead. So Tuesday night's PvP with Relics of War. We'll probably be streaming it, hopefully weekly. So come play with us. It's going to be fun. Yep, twitch.tv slash Relics of War. Or just go to relicsofwar.com. We should start embedding that like on the front page during in an article. Yep. With that said, we're only promoting this probably because we need more uh, pub stompy teams to go against in tournaments. So please, oh, play with us. No, we have some nice. really excellent thieves we're already fighting. It's good times. That's one thing I love to do in PvP also, is if, if I see a thief mashing the 2 button, I'll be like, could you press 2 please? And say, chat, boy, they get mad, and all they do is hunt you down. But the thing is, I run a stealth mesmer, which people are crying about right now, and I'm not sure that I blame them. But so all they're doing is trying to kill me, and I just, you know, run them away from cat points and stuff like that. It's pretty fun to do. So always remember, talking smack while PvPing is not always a bad idea. And do this you is play in tournaments? Any- yep. Yep. You're getting heart seeker spammers in tournaments. Uh huh. How? Maybe it's because my MMR is higher, and I'm just not seeing that anymore. I don't know. Oh, yes, you silly plebeian PvP players with your Heartseeker spam. (laughs) Well, Heartseeker spam is actually really bad. The the auto-attack chain does more damage. Basically, for closing a gap, it would make sense. Maybe that's why they're doing that more, though, because I'm, I'm stealthing a little bit. You don't even There's use it for closing the gap. That's what Dagger Pistol is for with Shadow Shot. True, yeah. Ah. <laughs> Shit, I don't know. That's funny. All right, well, uh, just to sign off from the show now, um, one thing that I do want to mention is we, with the change to all this, there are probably a lot of people who just started listening again because, boom, suddenly we're on iTunes again. Uh, if if you know other people that were listening and they don't know that we're back on the iTunes market or Zoom or any of that, just let them know if you don't mind. Um, we would also like to see your comments on the website. So any of our articles and stuff like that, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, on the front page on relicsoforr.com, we actually installed a plugin from WordPress that allows you to pretty much go to the front page, click on a button and record a message for us using your headset so you don't have to call us anymore. Um, and so that'll be nice. We, if you do call in, we'll play your call on the show, unless you're Captain Martin Long. And then we are also open on Twitter, Facebook, and Steam. We've been talking a lot on Twitter. You guys, like back when I used to do the show and I'd, I'd jump on Twitter, it was basically like just the pl- place to deploy a message to people that a new show was up. You guys have been really building up the the repertoire, the rap, the uh, French. The street cred. Yeah. Also, so, yeah, while I have the floor for a second, did I just hear Zune? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that's something I used to say, and it just kind of came out of my mouth. I, I closed my mouth, words are coming out. So, yeah, and um, if we don't get uh, any comments this week, um, we're going to die. We're just going to die. Uh. Yep. Oh, on the iTunes store also, please leave us a comment. The last comment says, we need you back, and it's like two years old. So could you just like post in there so when people look at the reviews, they're like, hey, they're back. Of course, some guy's going to do that with a zero-star rating and be like, these guys are butts. Let it never be said that, that we cannot inaccurate? follow up on our promises. It would not be inaccurate at all. I'm quite, I'm, I am a butt. The buttiest of butt butts. I seem to... Okay, um, so there's a wheel of morality. It's time for that. Who's saying the thing? I got it. Oh, wait, am I saying the thing for you? Sure. Wheel of morality, turn, turn, turn. Tell us the lesson that we should learn, Ryan. They all laughed when I said I wanted to be a comedian. <laughs> well, they're not laughing now. Well, I appreciate everybody being on the show today. I'm glad you could all be here, and uh, just don't let your grandma bite you.
previously on Relics of War. You can tell I was in the car when I smacked the dashboard, huh? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Alright yeah. guys, let's do this. <laughs> uh, I hate this mic. Um, Relics of War, now in hiccup vision. Yeah, well we got seal carcasses down here, so stick it in your place. I'm looking forward to that, actually. I'm gonna bring popcorn. That'll be slick chickens. They come from monsters. You go and rip them from their cold, dead hands. Now, you were saying dudes get butt naked to be pro. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Okay, we're clear. You see that? That actually happens quite a bit in Guild Wars. I suppose that was a criticism. That was terrible of me. (laughs) I was going to say, oh. (laughs) Original. (laughs) The classic Guild Wars, so. (laughs) Just went there. Almost did it. You slipped up. Classic? It's not polished. Your mom's not classic. Yes, so. I don't see how that's pertinent <laughs> to the conversation. <laughs> Guild Wars 1. Yes, 1, ArenaNet says so. I would much rather have a Coca-Cola video game than either a KFC video game or a Splenda video game. I just won this argument again. Stop trying. Oh, one last thing. Guild Wars 1, Guild Wars 1, Guild Wars 1. You're stupid, you're stupid, you're stupid. Ben, a.k.a. Epic Wind in-game PS Pie. I wasn't trying to make any reference at all. I was just being stupid. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it works out. I mean, when you're just randomly standing there healing, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you hear. <laughs> <laughs> We're asking for ragdoll physics for the villagers of Guild Wars 2. And that we can control them in any way we want. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think we just control freaks. Maybe that's just me. We're going to be more that's... like. We'll, we'll be Gordon Freeman. We'll never respond to anything. <laughs> but we'll, we'll throw people with gravity guns. Good day, sir. Put something in her hand she'll really enjoy. Buy this drumstick. I thought I'd get a couple more laughs out of that. <laughs> you guys go Enjoy. ahead and talk about that while I fudge like I know what I'm doing. Guild Wars 2. There's an app for that. I don't like Apple, so yeah, I feel dirty now. I need an acid bar. Oh, Togo, I just want to get through this already. Shut up! Maybe the gaggy can replace Togo. <laughs> and so I always find myself wanting to just turn around and look at my son and be like... This is a or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, maybe I just cut that out of the show because that's embarrassing. <laughs> hang on, hang on. Why do you get to be cut out when you do embarrassing stuff and the rest of us don't? All you have to do is tell me where you were embarrassed, and I'll be sure to put it at the front of the show. That mashup came all the way from New Zealand. My name is Sea Squirrel Run, and you're listening to Relics of All.